a Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey everybody out there, hope you guys are having a great week. Thanks for listening. This is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. Rocky Mountain ATVMC is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, dual sports, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping. It's easy to see why Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is the premier shopping destination for all of us that want to buy whatever it is, off-road, street, dual sport, related. Anything you want, go check them out. Thank you for joining me once again. We are here for another edition, a new week, and a new episode. And, of course, we can't forget about the other two presenting sponsors, Fly Racing and Racetech. You guys want to get some gear, Fly Racing flyracing.com light hydrogen stand by for the monster energy cup limited edition light hydrogen gear it looks good so get the money out because it's going to be good looking gear and it lasts and it's light and it's breathable so i'm going to probably get two sets of that stuff because it looks so good it's bright i can tell you that i can't tell you more than that but it's bright and it looks good and it's a good colorway for any kind of bike. I will give you that. JT will be pissed if I say anything more. Also, Racetech, Racetech.com. Go get your suspension done. Go get it at least, at least rebuilt. Oil change, seals, bushings. At least do that. Check your guys' sag, please. I see people at the track all the time. Hey, my suspension's doing this. Have you checked your sag? No, I haven't even checked my sag. Dude. Check your sag, first thing. Bleed your forks. If you got a spring fork, bleed them. If you got an air fork, check your air pressure every morning before you ride. Basic stuff, people. But if you want to get a revalve, head over to Racetech, Racetech.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you. Hopefully they hook you up, get you a good deal. But I know they will do a great job on your stuff. Some of my favorite stuff by them so far has been... Actually, the 2018 Honda CRF 450R suspension and the 2018 KX450F stuff. So before the 19 came out, we're working with the SFF TAC fork. Oh, it's a nightmare. But they got a good setting for you guys out there. So go check them out, racetech.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and be on your way, be on the trail or the track and be happy. So this episode, guys, is Basically, a shootout wrap-up, 2019 450MX shootout wrap-up. Again, I've told you guys out there, I didn't include my opinion or rankings in the shootout. It was strictly test rider based and what they thought, and that is how we came up with the winner. If you haven't seen the results yet, we're going to rip them down here, but check out the Pulp MX show last Monday. We talked about it. We went over all the bikes. 
what we could improve, the rankings, and just basically an overview of the whole shootout. So the shootout was basically three days of photos, some video. You guys can check out my YouTube channel. There's a video up. Also, 16 test riders. I believe in giving a wide spectrum of riders in these shootouts. I think I am the most versatile media outlet out there as far as having the riders um, in the shootouts. I don't think any other media outlet has as many guys as I did in these shootouts. And we have older guys, fast guys, younger dudes, light guys, and even heavy guys. There's no one else putting heavier dudes on bikes. And I have got a huge response from you guys out there saying thank you for doing that because, hell, you're 220 and up, 300 pounds. You guys are still enjoying the sport of dirt biking and going motoring, going trail riding. You guys want to know about some things, right? So we threw some big dudes on just to give you some feedback. Yes, we know that the suspension will be off, but you can still tell a lot about a dirt bike, even though your suspension's clapped out and soft because you're 300 bills. We get it. I understand that, but you can still tell a lot about a motorcycle. So we had those guys out there. Chris Riesenberg, Kelly Gelhouse, Kelly's 220 plus. Chris was 300 pounds. Hell, he loves riding dirt bikes. He hasn't ridden in a while, but now he's all back in on this thing because how much fun he had. So that's what we're trying to do. Bring some fun out, do something different, and try to get a wide spectrum out there for you guys out there that are buying the bikes. Not everyone's built like me, 170 pounds, or, or built like... Shit, even built like Dominic Chimino, like he's 155 pounds, small dude. So there's all different kinds of shapes and sizes out there, and we try to fulfill all that stuff. So basically, I just want to rip down some things, um, my personal rankings, what I think I would do to these bikes. So if I had two to $3,000, which bike in these shootouts would benefit the most with a little money thrown at it? So I put together a little list of... Three bikes that would be basically a two grand, and they could be a winner in the shootout. And basically, my winner in stock form is not the bike that I chose with some money thrown at it, okay? So I have a couple bikes here that I've thrown some parts at it and things that you guys would do at home, and it's my favorite bike to ride. Was it my favorite bike in the shootout? No, but a little bit of money? If you have it, I understand that you're already spending 10 G on a motherfucking bike, but if you have a couple extra grand, it could be a shootout winner. So I guess what I'm trying to tell you guys out there is you hear this all the time. All these bikes are good, right? Everyone's like, yeah, the bikes are good. We probably, you know, you guys out there are probably thinking we're blowing smoke up your ass. But honestly, five of these bikes are good bikes, okay? Suzuki needs some help, but... It's one of the bikes that could benefit from some love, okay? If you can get a Suzuki, well, let's just not jump in. I'm jumping ahead. I'm already fired up about the Suzuki because I think it doesn't really get a fair shake. And I don't think it really even got a fair shake in my shootout because it's a pretty good bike. It just needs a little bit of money thrown at it, and it could be top three, no problem. So this is basically what this podcast is about, guys. I'll, I'll go over the results of the shootout. I'm going to give you my personal rankings if I was in the shootout and why I think um, these bikes ranked where they are in my personal opinion. So the rankings from the 450 shootout, okay? There was a tie at the beginning 
of when I started tallying all of this up. Cowie and Yamaha split days, right? So Kawasaki won the first day. Yamaha won the second day. So then I went back and added up all the individual test rider opinion wins. And the Yamaha came out on top 9-4. to four. So Yamaha YZ450F wins. Kawasaki gets second. Third place, Husqvarna FC450. Fourth, KTM Orange Brigade. Fifth, Honda CRF450R. And sixth, Suzuki. So that was the ranking in the shootout. You can go to keferingtesting.com and read all of that. I put a brief brief synopsis of each bike and overall kind of opinion from a lot of riders and the rankings are up there. So you can go to keyforingtesting.com or if you want to see the individual days, go to pulpmx.com and that's up there as well. So without getting too much in the overall ranking because we've already beat that to death, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my ranking. So Kiefer, I get this all the time. What's your favorite bike? Well, let me start by saying this. Yes, the Yamaha in stock form is my favorite bike. Do I work for Yamaha? No. Do I get kickbacks from Yamaha? No. Is Travis Preston one of my good friends at Yamaha? Yes, of course. But I have friends from all different types and and uh, from different types of manufacturers out there. So I guess... Sometimes I get pissed off because everyone associates me with Yamaha. Yes, do I like the Yamaha? Of course, I've been on this bandwagon for a couple years because it's a really good bike stock. I can hop on it and go fast. Do I ride it the most? I would say I ride a Yamaha on my own time 70% of the time. On my own time. But if I were to add up the total time, I'd probably spend less time on the Yamaha when I'm testing because... It's pretty damn good stock, so I'm not working as hard on that thing as I am on other bikes. I'm trying to figure out other bikes to make them better, which we will talk about. So I get, I had a couple emails last week that kind of pissed me off that said, Kiefer, you suck Yamaha's dick. Um, you're getting kickbacks from Yamaha. You're in bed with Travis and Vital. Oh, you guys are, you know, whatever, dude. And then I go to email the guy back, and it's a bogus email. So don't send me your bullshit. Don't send me your fake email accounts. If you really got an issue, man, hit me up. I got time for you. That's fine. I'm not about all positivity. Like I know my podcast and the way I test is not for everybody. I get it. If you don't like what we're about here, go to MXA, go to Michael Lindsay, go to Vital, go to Dirt Bike. That's fine, man. Like I get it. I'm just trying to bring you transparent information. I have nothing else to offer you. I'm not getting rich on this side of the microphone, okay? I love dirt bikes. I love helping people. It's kind of in my nature. And those two go together for me in my life. So I'm just trying to give you what I would do. I'm giving you my opinion. Is it the gospel? No, absolutely not. It's my educated opinion. Have I been doing this a hell of a long time? Yes, I have. So... I kind of know a little bit about how to set up a production bike. It's not based on what I like. It's based on a wide range of people. And that's what the Yamaha does. They did that well. Whoever the R&D guys are, Travis, Dustin Nelson, Doug Dubok, Steve Butler, those guys, not me. I didn't develop the bike. Those guys did a damn good job to get bigger dudes, medium-sized dudes, small dudes happy. Plain and simple. They did a great job. 
And that's why it won the shootout. And that's why I pick it too, because I can hop on it and go. I set the sag, 104, leave the fork at 5 millimeters, and ride it. It's so good, it's tough for me to find an aftermarket muffler that's better. So I don't do much to this bike. The stock suspension, I go to Glen Helen. I don't like going to Glen Helen that much. It sucks. It's not my favorite track. It's rough. It's gnarly. It's a man's track. Two o'clock in the afternoon, I ride the YZ450 there. It's not that bad. I'm not really hating life. That's how good this bike is in stock form. Again, I'm 170 pounds, but it works from a range from 150 to 190 on stock springs. If you're heavier than 200, yeah, you might need some springs. But dude, this bike serves such a wide range purpose. It's insane. So that's why you're seeing it win shootouts. It won vitals. It won Jimmy Lewis's shootout, dirtbiketest.com. It won mine. I wouldn't be surprised if it wins other other shootouts that I don't know about. I don't know what dirt. Oh, you know, I think dirt bike did rate Kawasaki first, which is legit. So I get that. I just think Yamaha is a really good machine. I'm really, I just get tired of hearing people and saying, oh, Kiefer, Yamaha and you, like you're in bed with each other. No, man, honestly, like I want other bikes to succeed and be better. You know, um, last year in our shootout, Honda won the shootout. It was a good bike. Honda took a little bit of a step back in the shootout this year, but it's still a damn good bike. So Yamaha gets my vote for the best bike, hopping on, getting on it and go, riding it fast, making me smile. So that's my personal choice. Second, Kawasaki. You guys heard me talk about this on the Pulp Show. In previous podcasts, we talk about the bike. Dude, the guys at Kawasaki did such a great job with this machine. It's tough. I've been on the production side of testing. It's tough to come with a new generation bike and succeed to nail it. They almost nailed it. If I was going to give them a score and a grade, I would give those guys a 90%. 10% it's lacking. It's a little bit diving in the front. I would have went up on a fork spring rake, maybe a 5-1 spring, and that helps the balance of the bike out. And that's kind of why it got second in the shootout. But it also got second in my personal rankings because it's a little bit of pitchy coming in the corners on D-cell. I put 5-1 springs in. Much better. Um, stiffening up the shock. Eight clicks on the, on the shock helps it much better. Run about 105. Leave. I would try to run the fork height on the Cowie about three millimeters, and it's money. The engine, yeah, not as strong as the Yamaha, but very free feeling, light. RPM response is fun. I would say much freer feeling, less engine braking than the Yamaha with the Kawasaki. So. If you guys like a little bit of less engine braking, the Kawasaki is uh, very good. And ergonomically, nice corners, neutral. It's not a rear-end steering cornering bike as much as it used to be. I can steer at the front end. It's just a fun bike to ride, and it's so much improved from, from last year. It ranked fifth in my personal ranking last year. Most of that was from the shitty front fork. I'm not a big fan of the SFF Air. I'm stoked that Showa and Kawasaki got together, went spring fork. That's what the consumer wants. We don't want to dick with anything when we get to the track. Hell, just like I said earlier, you guys don't even check your freaking sag. So what makes you think you're going to check three air pressure settings? You're not going to do that. I mean, God forbid if you got to bleed the fork, right? So put some spring forks on, get the comfort, get the consumer happy. 
let's move forward. Let's just forget about the air fork, okay? If top tier guys want to run it, offer that, you know, but average consumers, the guys listening to this podcast or buying the bikes, they do not want to dick with air forks. There's just not enough payoff. So good job, Travis, Borky, those guys over there in the R&D department, Kawasaki, kudos. It almost won the shootout. It was damn close. And it was pretty damn close for me as well, too. When I first got on this bike, I'm like, wow, I like this bike a little bit more than the Yamaha. Well, then the 19, I got to ride that. And it was actually a little bit more of an improvement from the 18. So that's why it edged out the Kawasaki in my vote. Third place for me is the KTM. KTM is uh, hot and cold this year in shootouts. But for me, the only thing that I dislike, two things that stand out to me right away, is the handlebar. Obviously, we talked about this, a little bit rigid feeling. And the AER fork is better. We just talked about air forks, but it still is not consistent enough for me. Consistency is what you need to go fast on a dirt bike. It's good for the first half of the day. That air fork, when it gets rough, not predictable, okay? I can't really predict what it's going to do later in the day. It might be a little bit deflecty and harsh feeling, and as the track dries out and gets rough, not the most front-end traction feel that I have out of the other two that are in front of it. However, this bike is easy to ride. It feels light. It feels narrow. When it's in tighter situation, it corners very good. And the, yeah, people bag on the low end and how it doesn't have as much as the cow in the Yamaha. And I'm one of those people, but in the same breath... It makes it so linear and easy to ride that you actually ride it faster. It's tough, guys. Like the perception when I get on that thing, I'm like, man, I don't feel like I'm going that fast. But then I look at lap times. Lip Pro was out there doing some things. I am good on that bike because it's so easy and smooth and it hooks up. Connection to the rear wheel is excellent. I would say the Husqvarna is a little bit better with that composite um, carbon rear end. But the KTM is better connectivity than the Kawasaki and the Yamaha. If the Yamaha had connectivity like the KTM, dude, it'd be insane. It'd be gnarly. That thing would be good. But KTM has that engine character where it's super linear and then it builds up so nicely to the mid to the top end range and it pulls very far. So KTM for me gets third place. And I really want to reiterate, third to fifth, I could swap around really easy. It's it's very tough. So I'm giving and taking a lot of these things. But I don't want to have a tie because it pisses you guys off out there. And I kind of had to really kind of break that. Last year we had a tie. And, I, and it actually didn't sit well with me. So for me personally, third place, KTM. But very close to that is third to fifth. Fourth place, Honda CRF450R. It got fifth in the shootout. I understand why. It's a one of the big reasons why it gets fourth in my personal ranking, just because of chassis compliancy. Again, soft dirt, larger bump, softer bump, not as noticeable as it is on these West Coast tracks where it gets it's soft in the morning. We had some deep conditions for shootouts, but then it gets hard packed, square edgy, and then the front end gets a little twitchy, a little harsh. And a little unnerving feeling when I'm starting to send it really go fast. It doesn't really feel planted near the head tube and the front end. That's why it ranked down for me. 
The suspension, people, I've seen some suspension remarks, um, but it's not really suspension related. I think the suspension is pretty good. It's not that much different than the Cowie, guys, okay? And look how good the Cowie is. So what's the difference? The difference is chassis. Honda has a stiffer, more rigid feeling chassis than the Cowie. That's why you get this feeling. You think, hey, it's a suspension, right? The suspension's good. There's nothing wrong with the fork and the shock. It's just we need a little less rigidity in that Honda frame to get that compliancy when the track gets shitty. Now, when the track's new and soft and the ruts are good, dude, there's nothing better than the Honda. As good as that KTM corners, the Honda corners even better to me. And it's heavier feeling. It doesn't feel as light as the KTM, but it lays in nice. It has a good front end feel. It's fun to ride. And other manufactured test guys have ridden this bike, and they're like, dude, it's it's really good in the corners. But 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that rut is not the same, right? And that Honda gets a little bit hard to handle coming into that rut. So that's what really sets it back. Honda figures out chassis compliancy. Again, here we go again. We're talking up near the front. If it does figure it out, they do figure it out, it's going to be really good. To me, fastest engine character of the whole shootout, Honda. You want to get to point A to point B, from point A to point B, Honda gets you there ASAP. That's kind of rhymed, right? Suck it, seven deuce deuce. That rhymed. So anyway, point A to point B, that engine is so good. I'm more of a map one guy. I'm not really a map three guy. A lot of test riders like map three. Dude, I'm not scared to run map two. I talked about this earlier. Map 2 is really good, and when the track gets baked, it kind of helps that chassis out a little bit to kind of mellow that engine out. So for those of you guys that have a Honda, hit it on Map 2 in the afternoon, and it actually helps chassis balance a little bit. It doesn't upset that chassis when you're on and off the throttle as much, like as Map 1 and Map 3, but it's nice to have a very fast engine, especially in soft conditions. That thing absolutely rips, man. It pulls far. It barks off the bottom. It's almost too much at times, so that's why I hit map one and map two. But kudos to Honda for getting a map switch on the handlebar that actually makes a difference. Out of all the bikes that have map switches and you can switch back and forth on the fly, Honda has the best map mapping you know, on the handlebar than anyone else. You can actually tell a difference between map one, map two, and map three. There's actually distinct differences between the, the three. KTM, I go to map one and two, map one and map two. Yes, I can feel the difference a little bit, but not as drastic. To me, if I'm a consumer, I want to feel the differences. I'm not everyone's a test rider, okay? So maybe your feeling is not as sensitive as mine. I can guarantee you it's not as sensitive as mine. I'll take that back because I'm super sensitive, which is actually a blessing and a curse. But you guys out there might not notice it as much as I do. So you need to have distinct differences so you guys can feel them, and Honda does that. So it's nice to see that Honda um, offers maps that makes a difference for you guys out there. And don't be scared to try map two. It's not a dick measuring contest like, i got to be on map three because I'm a badass. Dude, you're going to rip better on map two when the track gets rough so trust me on that as far as setup goes it's a very finicky bike you get a good setting and you're good but then the next day you go to a different track 
It's not the same feeling. That's what's tough. You're working with a smaller box than you are with the three above it. And it's really tough to beat the Yamaha. Yamaha has a really large area to work with. Um, each direction you go on the Honda could really help it or really hurt it. That's the difference. So if you go two on the fork on the compression, that could really help you and make a big difference. Or doing that same move could really hurt you because I've gone plus two on the fork on the compression on one track, stuck with that setting and went to a different track two days later and the, the fork felt crappy. So that tells me that chassis needs a little bit of work and a little more compliancy. I'm going to test out some things on the Honda later in the year as far as engine hangers again. I did a little bit like I did on the 2018 model. I didn't notice that much difference on the 19 frame like I did the 18. So I'm going to try to work with that a little bit more, see if it helps. But as of right now, guys, the engine hangers on the 2019 do not help it any. So if you guys are email me or ask me, hey, I got a 2019, what about those those engine hangers? Just Just hold off a little bit on that. Because to me, it wasn't worth the money or the difference putting those things on right now. So so just know that. Um, fifth, I, I don't even like putting this bike fifth. Um, Husqvarna FC450, because it's good. The reason why, I'll give you one reason why I like it better than the KTM and one reason why I dislike it um, uh, worse than the KTM. I like it better because the Pro Taper bar, it's a little bit, and it sounds so dumb. Like it's just a handlebar, right? Well, vibration is less. Um, Harshness to my wrists are less with the Pro Taper than the neck end, so that helps me. That gives me a little bit more front-end feeling when I'm landing slap-down lines or even coming into a corner. I feel a little bit better with that handlebar. Dislikes for me. It just feels a little softer off the bottom than the KTM, and that's already a problem-ish with the KTM, right? Yes, we love it, connectivity, but when it's soft, I want some more hit. And the Husqvarna is a little bit less of that feeling down low. So that's what makes it a little bit down the rank, I guess, you could say, from the KTM for me. Otherwise, rear-end compliancy, rear-end traction is better than the KTM. But again, I'm a big front-end steering guy. So I need some front-end feel, which the Husqvarna provides me. But with that, I need to get in and out of the corner quick, and that's what it doesn't provide me. So it was, like I said, we're we're just really splitting hairs here, guys. It's just minute little things. It's almost like a sideways move, and we could put third, fourth, fifth all the time. But if, I, if I'm just ranking these off of things that I'm hopping on a bike and I want to go fast and go race, which bike am I picking? That's how we're doing this. So Husqvarna is right there. There's all those I would say third to fifth are really close, and then first and second are really close. So that's that's my deal right in here. Like I feel like first two kind of separated a little bit from third to fifth, and then third to fifth are all like right there. Um, sixth place for me, Suzuki RMZ 450. That's the, I don't know, that's the general consensus about this bike. Yeah, they made a few changes to the shock and, the, and, and valving and things, but nothing major where it's going to, like I feel it on the track. And when I hear these changes on paper, like I get the bike, I haven't ridden, and I say, oh, they made valving changes. It's not like I'm like, eh, whatever, it's it's the same bike. It's not. Like, little changes can make a huge difference. I was hoping those little changes would at least boost it up a little bit. It really didn't. The engine on this thing is vanilla. It's okay. It's good. It's just nothing exciting. It's not making me 
come out of a corner and going, dude, I can just roll this throttle right on and clear this jump. Like it takes some work, more work than the KTM and Husqvarna. So sticking the lean coupler in helps a little bit, but we need some more compression in the piston. We need to open up that muffler. They just need a little bit more horsepower and a little bit more balance out of the suspension. The chassis rigidity is is middle of the road. It's not stiff. It's not compliant like a Cowie, but it's it's okay. I feel like if we got a good setting on that BFRC shock, which I have ridden with, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, it does, it makes it work pretty good. It's just off-throttle coming into big bumps. It unloads, and it just gives an unnerving feeling, and it kicks, especially on jump faces. When jump faces get sketchy and ruddy, when you got to pick a line up a face, and it's maybe a little bit cupped out on top, I feel a lot of that in the rear end of the Suzuki. Like I'm like, go to seat bounce, brah, and it just I just feel too much. With the other bikes in front of it, it's a little bit more of a dead feeling. I don't get much feedback, but that shock just wants to unload. And again, we talk about predictability. That's where this shock doesn't shine. It's not predictable. So Suzuki needs to go to work on the engine just a little bit, all right? And get the let's get the suspension dialed in. Like I deal with the motor because easy to make engines good, but let's make a chassis and suspension that's really hard to beat. And if they focused in on that, I feel like they would go up in the rankings a lot. So that's my personal ranking, guys. Yamaha, Cowie, KTM, Honda, Husqvarna, and Suzuki. Really close this year. Again, top two are really close. Third to fifth are almost a damn tie. Suzuki back a little bit in sixth. And those are the reasons why I chose the rankings. Hey, what's up? Technology. That's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing. I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However, there is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Skosh. It's spelled S-C-O-S. C-H-E. You can go to skosh.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have phone chargers for your droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have huge cables that will reach all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close, like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house. Just, I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. So... Founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic, you guys need to check them out, skosh.com. Committed to delivering the superior products that we all want, quality and functionality, exceptional value, and unmatched customer service. The designers and engineers at Skosh develop products that reflect a rich heritage in audio and mobile technology. Skosh finds inspiration in the California lifestyle, culture, music, and people. 
These influences can be seen in accessories and products that are now in the hands of homes, offices, vehicles, and people all over the world. 50 countries, okay? Hundreds of patents, trademarks, and countless industry awards received. It's easy to see why Skosh is constantly at the forefront of technology. These guys are cool. They're huge motorcycle enthusiasts. They even gave us a product code, SCOKT25. That's SCOKT25. Use that code when you go to skosh.com. Get 25% off. Seriously, guys, go check them out. If you want to hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. I'll let you know more. But very cool guys over there. Thanks, Skosh. Skosh.com. You looking for some good oil out there? I know you are because I get a lot of questions to my email inbox about oil. Heck, I'm at the track. People stop me and ask about oil. On the Pulp MX show, lots of callers. What oil should I run? So I'm going to let you on a little secret. I've been testing an oil that's called Moto Blood. Bloodlubricants.com. Go check them out over there at bloodlubricants.com. Go view everything they have. There's all different kinds of oils. You got an ATV, you got a street bike, you got a UTV, or you got a YZ450F in your garage. Blood Lubricants has an oil for you. Okay? Jefferson Green, he's been in the oil industry for a long time, since 1983. But he's been a motorcycle enthusiast for longer than that. So he wanted to create an oil that was good, that lasted a long time and didn't break down, and even cooled your engine's down a little bit more than you're used to because, heck, I'm going to tell you something straight up. was testing this stuff a couple months, did a lot of temperature readings. Engine temps were always anywhere from 25 to 30 degrees cooler with the Moto Blood 1040. And you want to even know something that's crazier? It's 100% fully synthetic oil. You guys know me. Synthetic wasn't my choice when it comes to some bikes, right? I ran it in the Yamaha and I ran it in the Honda. wasn't too stoked on synthetic oils. Well, went and tried this. No slippage, no drag, 100% synthetic. It 100% works. So hey, go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Mention Kiefer in your order, please order, and get 25% off. It's that easy. And if you guys have any questions about this oil, hit me up over at chris at keyferinktesting.com. I can discuss more what it does for you, what it does for your bike. But hey, it's in my test bikes right now. I've had zero failures. It's really reliable oil. It's very good. 100% synthetic. Go check them out. Bloodlubricants.com. One of my first sponsors ever was FMF Racing. I wrote resumes. That's right. Handwriting for you young bucks out there. Handwritten resumes and mailed them out, licked the stamps, sent them off their way onto every company that had an address in these magazines that I looked at when I was younger. I was a 125 novice, 14 years old, sent my resume off, and I literally camped out by the mailbox every night hoping to get something back that says, we've accepted your sponsorship, now you're a writer. And you know what? One day, guess what showed up? A letter from FMF Racing. And you know what it said inside of it? Congratulations, Chris. You just got 60% off. Can you imagine that? 125 novice, 60% off? Dude, I thought I made it. I thought I was in. I couldn't wait to tell my dad that he was going to save money and we're going to buy like 87 silencers and pipes now because we saved him so much money. <laughs> Nonetheless, 
Those guys were on board with me a long time ago when I was very young, and now they're back on board with this podcast. I think it's very cool, and thank you, Little D. And you guys know I don't want any advertiser on here unless I back their products and I back FMF Racing and the quality that it comes with. For 45 years, they've approached everything they do at FMF as riders first. That's why it means the world to them to be on top of every major reader survey. Okay, They want to make exhaust systems that you want. They want to make exhaust systems they want. So it makes sense. It's They're stoked when they hear guys say, Hey man, I love your product. Trust me. I've been around Little D long enough. He loves that stuff. There's nothing more joyful in a guy's business to know that their products work. Same thing goes for my podcast, guys. So founder Don Emler is hands-on today as he was in the beginning. He's out there grinding, welding. Quality is his first concern. He builds everything from the ground up in the USA where he can oversee and control manufacturing. At FMF, they approach everything with the same mentality. Whether you're playing on the trails or backing the fastest names in racing, they set out to be number one. Thanks to all of you, fellow riders, we're leading the pack. They are leading the pack because of you guys out there buying the product. So, as you guys know, you guys go back into my podcast. I talk about FMF. Great products. Head over to fmfracing.com. Get yourself set up. Go look and see what they offer because they offer a lot. If you have any questions, hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com, and I'll answer them for you. Thanks, FMF. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right. They are on board with the keyforinktesting.com, Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 60helmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 60 helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys. And it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keyforinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets. Hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Have you been to ruddedracing.com yet? If the answer is no, go there right now. Ruddedracing.com. They have shirts, hats, hoodies, cute stuff for your chick, for your lady, for your wife. Man, it's cute. I put Heather in some of this stuff before bedtime and, well, that's all I'm going to say about that. But nonetheless, go check them out, ruddedracing.com. They have a bunch of cool stuff. And not only do they have cool street wear, but Clint is designing some gear. That's right. If you're a taller dude, 6'2", maybe over, he's going to have the set of gear that you want to be in. Longer arms, a little longer length. Materials are going to be awesome. I saw some of this gear, and man, it's going to kind of change the game for you taller dudes out there. So it's not out yet, so pump the brakes. But before we get all hyped up on this stuff, 
Go to ruttedracing.com, buy some stuff. They support us. They support the Bear, Tyler Bowers, and Henry Miller. So, hey, go check them out, won't you? Ruttedracing.com. Screen printing done. Dot com. I hate it when they put sirens in commercials. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time, it works every time. I wish I had that shirt. Would cover my boy boobs nicely. Screenprintingdone.com. We make kick-ass t-shirts. Made with bits of real panther. We get it done. So you know it's good. Screenprintingdone.com. Screenprintingdone.com. An idea that I got from Mathis, this is kind of like a Mathis idea, which I thought was pretty good. So he, he said, Kiefer, why don't you do a shootout with the same bikes and, and put a dollar amount on each bike. You know, say every bike got $3,000, right? Because he was saying $1,000. I'm like, dude, you can't even buy a fucking pipe for $1,000 anymore. So we got to add a little bit more money to this four-stroke realm. This isn't two-strokes. So if it was a two-stroke, you can put $1,000 and you probably get a lot of shit. But the four-stroke days... Man, you, you're not getting nothing for $1,000. So, $3,000. If I put 3G in each bike, which bike would see the most benefit and potential to go up the rankings and be good? Okay? So, I have ridden all of these bikes at some point. Okay? Maybe not um, the 2019 Suzuki. I rode an 18 with 3G worth of parts on it. But... At one point in time, I have ridden these bikes with parts that equal or damn near up to 3K. So, I picked three bikes, well, four, three bikes that benefit the most with a little bit of money, okay? So, number one for me, KTM and Husqvarna. People ask me, you're on Orange Brigade, you're Blue Crew, what do you like? Well, I'm telling you right now, Yamaha, I, I can't dump money into that thing and make it way better that's how good the stock yamaha is if i put two thousand dollars in this yamaha it's not making a huge difference for me because the stock freaking bike is so damn good i put a pipe i put ignition on this thing it doesn't make that big a difference so that's why it's not on the top of my list the ktm is on the top of my list because i put a pipe on it i put handlebars on it i put an ignition on it and this thing is insane. It's so much fun to ride. Is it more fun to ride than the Yamaha? Yes. Kiefer, what would you choose? A $3,000 hop-up KTM or a stock Yamaha? KTM. Why? More excitement in the engine, a light feel, and the suspension isn't that bad that I'm going to rank it down. Yes, the predictability is not there, but the bike is so damn fun to ride. And the suspension is just good enough to be like, okay, I can live with this, that the KTM and Husqvarna are fun. Rockstar Edition last year did the same thing. Put a pipe, ignition, um, some suspension on it, some bars, which I didn't need to because it came with pretty good bars. I ended up going back to the stock bar bend. But I had so much fun on this bike. I almost freaking bought a damn Rockstar Edition. I was in the dealership going to buy one. I got talked out of it because people said, Kiefer, you need to chill the fuck out. Why are you buying a dirt bike? I'm like, because this bike is fun. It makes me happy every time I ride it. I just want one. 
And they're like, dude, you get one all year. Just ride the test bike that you get. You don't need to buy a bike. But I don't know, man. I feel like I still want to buy one just for my own personal use so I have it. I might keep the some bitch for four years. I don't know. Like, I try to buy a bike every year. And this KTM and Husqvarna makes me want to go bu- purchase a motorcycle. Because I know the small things that I do to it make a huge difference. So if you guys are wondering out there, I want to dump a little bit of money in a bike. Which which bike would be would have the most advantage, what would see the most potential? It's the KTM and Husqvarna. Those things jump up hugely when you dump some money into them. Okay? Again, Yamaha, it's just so good stock, dude. Like, it's really close. Second, Kawas- oh, I'm sorry, second, Suzuki. High compression piston, suspension work, a muffler. The bike is really good. Where would it be in the rankings? Um, God, fourth for me on the Suzuki with some modifications? I would say, yeah, it'd be better than the Honda with some help. Because why? Because chassis compliance is a little bit better on the Suzuki once the suspension gets fixed. Here, here's the deal with the Suzuki. This is what I wanted to talk about at the beginning of this podcast. You can get a 2018 Suzuki right now that I see for like 5K. You dump 3 to 4K in it, you're still cheaper than the other bikes that are in this shootout. You're at $9,000. And you got a bike that's probably top 3 or 4 in the shootout. There you go. That's why I say Suzuki is still a very good choice for some guys. That want to go ride a dirt bike on the on the weekends, have fun, dump a little bit of money, and still be cheaper than the rest of these bikes. You're buying a, a KTM, a Husqvarna, ten grand, Yamaha, ninety two hundred bucks, Kawasaki, ninety two hundred dollars. Here the Suzukis are, right? Hey, come by me. You see them when you walk by. Hey guys, hey, and you just walk right by them. Come back, look at the old girl, give her a looksy, and figure it out. Man, you dump three grand in this thing, it's a really good bike. Like, it wakes up the engine with the high compression piston. You get more bottom in. You put a muffler on that thing. You open it up. Mid-range to top end kind of broadens out. Dude, you want to spend another $500 a little, and you're still cheaper, right? You're still under ten k. Get an ignition. Better. It even broadens that whole thing up even more. Suspension. Go get your suspension done. Fix that BFRC. There's... I've tested Bones at Pro Circuit had a setting that I rode at Glen Helen. It was really damn good. Granted, Bones is not there no more, but I'm sure the setting still lives on at Pro Circuit. That can really provide a BFRC with some comfort. So, here we are. Suzuki. Second favorite bike to put some money into and the best result that you will see out of doing... I guess I wouldn't want to say... After reaching down in your wallet, okay, and putting some money in this thing, and you're still cheaper. It's crazy how cheap those things are going right now, 18 and 19 models. I do not know what the 19 models um, or how much those things are running, but I have seen on the floor personally, it was like $58.99 for a 2018 Suzuki. Dude, that's insane. That's cheap. All you guys complain out there about, fuck, four strokes are so damn expensive. Well, here we are, guys. Suzuki, $58.99, two grand in that thing. That thing's fun to ride and good. I had a good time on that bike when that project bike was around last year. So 
That's something to look into. Third, lastly, is Kawasaki. Yes, the Kawasaki's really good stock. Not as good as the Yamaha, but you put some fork springs in that thing. You get some suspension work, balance it out. I tried a muffler. It does help um, mid to top end pulling power because that's where that kind of feels a little bit flat. It has good exciting bottom end. FMF has a nice muffler that makes the broad, um, it broadens the, the mid to top out. And then if you go to keyforinktesting.com, I have mapping that you can, it could go with your white or black coupler. With the muffler for me, I went to a black coupler and some mapping. Again, keyforinktesting.com, you can look at that. Those are posted up over at KX450 optional notes setup. So click on that and you will find all that information. But the Kawasaki is a good viable option. And I would say you don't even need three grand on that thing. Probably less. Uh, a muffler, suspension work, you're probably looking at two grand and it would win a shootout just like that. It was damn close to winning. Um, again, chassis, chassis compliancy is better than the Yamaha. That frame is so good. I spoke about this before in the in previous podcast when I was testing with production stuff. Um, Kawasaki was the baseline for chassis for most manufacturers. Most manufacturers went out and purchased a Kawasaki and wanted their frame feel like Kawi. I think Kawi is back again with that frame feel. And I, dude, next year is going to be really good year for Kawi. I feel they're going to get their suspension a little bit better after seeing all these shootouts. They might do some little tweaks to the engine to make it broaden it up. So you could see in more green bikes winning shootouts next year if no one else really does anything to their 2020 machines. So that's kind of, it's a good idea by Mathis, but say, hey, dump some money into where these bikes rank. That's my top three. I'm not even putting Yamaha um, or Honda in there. I told you why Yamaha, I don't think it, it's beneficial to dump a lot of money into. I think you buy that bike and ride it and have fun. The Honda, yeah, you can go get suspension work done and link, but the chassis kind of holds that back, and there's not a lot you can do with that right now that I know of. I'm not saying that there isn't. I am going to work on this for you guys, and I'm really going to dive into some chassis stuff this year with that bike to make it better because, dude, the engine is so damn good, and the corner is so damn good. There's so much potential there. I just need some more straight-line compliancy, so I'm really going to work on that bike. But dumping three grand in that thing blindly is not smart. So if you guys do have a Honda, leave it stock. You do not want to go backwards on that thing because chances are if you do, it's worse than it is right now, and it'd be tough to come back from. So just with the Honda guys, set it up correctly. Get a SAG me me measurement at 107 to 108. Fork height, it's super important. I split the difference. Go to two millimeters on the fork, three millimeter in between there. And clicker settings. If you guys want some clicker settings, I have some in my Bible. I will give you. Hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. I will get you some settings. I have two settings. If you guys have a 19 Honda, I can help you out. That's what we do here, okay? That's why this podcast exists. We try to help out. You come directly to me. I try to help you guys. This isn't a big name media outlet where you can't reach anybody or they're too busy. Dude, I spend a lot of time on emails, guys. I work my ass off and then I come and talk to you guys on emails because I know you guys worked hard. You got your money out there and you need to know some information. It's tough to find that information from other people. I'm trying to help you guys out to be that source to bridge the gap. 
um, for you guys to be happier out there on your motorcycles. Again, if you guys see me out there at the track, come talk to me. Let's bullshit a little bit. Maybe not right when I get off the bike because I'm tired as F, but give me two minutes. Come over and talk. I'll help you guys out. Let's bullshit about dirt bikes. You got a problem with your bike? I may or may not be able to help you. Um, if it's setup related, I probably can. If it's more mechanically related, hit Mathis up because I'm only a novice mechanic. So it's not like I'm out rebuilding motors and shit. So, um, But that's basically uh, the rundown for the 450 shootout and the wrap-up. Again, questions, hit me up, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com. All these bikes are good, guys. It's been a fun shootout. A lot of work. We're going to do our 250 shootout in December. We're waiting on the Suzuki and the Honda. Again, almost buttoned up on the East Coast shootout, end of October, first part of November. I got a lot of calls and emails that you guys want to help out. I appreciate that. This year, I'm keeping it mellow. I'm only going to get a few guys. Um, it's coming out of my pocket, but it's something that I think that needs to be done in the media testing world. We need to go to some different tracks. We need to go to some different dirt. There's people that buy bikes on the right coast, right? Not everyone lives over here in California, although it does seem like it at times when you're at Glen Helen on Thursdays and there's 794 people there. <sighs> no one works, dude. So... For those of you guys back east thinking, oh, Cali, Cali, dude, no. Stay where you're at. Trust me. You probably have better dirt. Your tracks are probably money. Yeah, maybe you got rain a lot, but, dude, your tracks are probably so good and they're not crowded. Our tracks are open almost all the time and everyone's there and everyone's the next freaking Eli Tomac. It's just like, ugh, dog, man. Like, just, we can we all just chill out and ride dirt bikes and spread out the days a little bit? <laughs> but... It's crazy. That's why I live in the desert, all right? That's why I do most of my testing during the week in the desert. You don't see me doing Instabangers out in the des. It's all secret. You never know. You never know what I'm doing. That's right. But you know what? I'm not working at Yamaha. So suck it, email, dude. I'm not working at Yamaha. God, I don't know who will come up with this shit. Yes, I did work at Yamaha in 2000. I don't know, eight? So, it's been a while, guys. Been a long time. I try to stay as neutral as possible. I like all bikes. I try to get settings for all bikes. I don't show favoritism on my podcast or in my reports on my website. Yes, I'll tell you which bike I like, like I just did, but I'm transparent about it. I'm open. All right, I'm not sitting here hiding and going, yeah, you know, let's just, let's just make the Yamaha win this shootout. Yeah, because... Because Mathis, you know, got he's on Blue Crew now. I'm going to make the Yamaha win the shootout. Dude, that's lame. That's a lame thing to think. I wouldn't even be in business if my integrity was shit. That's all I have to offer you guys. So don't be retarded and think that I'm doing that kind of shit. All right, guys, that's it. That's my rant. I did a rant. It's like the Pulp Show. Jesus. But I hope you guys liked the shootout. Um, it was fun doing it. I appreciate all the feedback. I did get a lot of emails downloads have been really good for the shootout. So I'm, I thank you guys for listening. It's been fun for me. And it's also really cool to hear you guys talk about it when I'm at the track too. I see some people coming up to me and say, hey man, I appreciate it. And if you guys buy a bike through our outlet, let's say our, our decision making over here helped you with your decision making to get a bike, email me, let me know. I like to know that kind of stuff. I like to... I like to keep myself in the loop on what you guys are doing. So 
Um, let me know how it's, how it's going with your new bike, if you like it, if I've screwed you over, or whatever it is, man. Just let me know. I appreciate the, the feedback. So, um, again, really try to support the sponsors that are on this podcast. The reasons why I have advertisers on my podcast is because I would use these products that my advertisers are selling. If this wasn't available and this podcast wasn't here, I still would go purchase stuff from the people that support this show. I do not take advertising on my website because I feel that's a line that I don't want to cross as of right now. I can get the point across to you guys that I am taking advertising money on my podcast because I would spend my money on the products here. I like those products. I only take people on that I like. And trust me, I've had a few that want to come on and I turn them down. They look at me weird saying, you're turning down money. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. That's just not the money that I want. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you back next week with nothing about shootouts. Hallelujah. And something cool for a little outside of the box podcast I think you guys will like. So stay tuned next week. See you guys. Have a good weekend.